Now, there's lots of evidence to show that carbohydrate foods have a really important role with immune function, and that you know the harder that you the the harder that you work can increase that stress hormone cortisol. And again, there's evidence showing that carbohydrates, when they're consumed in and around those intense exercise sessions, actually suppress the rise of cortisol. Hi, I'm Anna Liptak and I've been a fitness trainer now for over 15 years. Over this time, I've been privy to witness so many ordinary people achieve so many wonderful things. Through this podcast and a documentary I co-produced, I'm Not a Runner, I want to share these stories to show everyone that anything is possible if you have the belief and the motivation. Today, I've got Olivia Warns with me. So thank you for being Pleasure. with us here today, Olivia. Olivia is a dietitian and has been for the past 20 years or so. And she's worked with many sporting teams and she's worked with Thunderbirds. Well, she is working with Thunderbirds. She's been the dietitian for the Crows. She's been the dietitian for Saka and also the cycling track team. But her biggest claim to fame from, from my perspective, and this is just my little perspective, is that she's also been the dietitian for the very gorgeous, lovely, beautiful Jessica Trengrove, who, as you probably all know, is our um, Olympic marathoner here in Australia and in Adelaide. Mm. Um, but also, Olivia, we know each other through running as well. So mm. we've done a number of runs as well. So thank you yep. for being here. Pleasure. So firstly, I'd like you just to introduce yourself and then we'll um, talk about everything to do with dietetics and running. <laughs> sure. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for inviting me along today. Yeah, it's great. and Nice, casual set up for a bit, a bit of a chat, which is lovely. I've been a dietitian since 2002. Worked as a clinical dietitian initially and then was fortunate, fortunate enough to get the AIS uh, Fellowship in Sports Nutrition in, um, in Canberra. So I did that in 2005 and I think that just mm. opened up some incredible opportunities for me so and met some amazing people who are still great colleagues and, and friends and you know to this day uh, which I'm very fortunate uh, to have so that was a, a brilliant start to my career in sports nutrition and then I, I moved back to Adelaide at the end of 2005 and then gradually build up my sports nutrition work but still had some clinical work on the side just while I was while I was in the process of building the sports and also had some private was doing some private practice work at SportsMed, which is where I still am today. Yeah, and just over the journey, I've, I've worked with a number of different sports and organisations and, yeah, just been really enjoyed the variety of, of different athletes I've been able to work with. But, you know, not just athletes mm. and then private practices, just different... So private um, practice at SportsMed. Yeah, that's... Too, yeah, yeah, so that that's is. for anyone. Exactly, yeah. 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 So generally... My clientele there would be sort of uh, more adolescent. Uh, yeah. I don't see a lot of young kids, but sort of anywhere from, you know, 12, 13 upwards through to, you know, 80 plus. I had an 80-year-old the other day. So, yeah, happy to see all sorts. And I, and I really just enjoy that variety of work. My main clientele at SportsMed would be athletes, whether they be sub-elite, uh, recreational, and also I see a lot of eating disorder clients as well. And then, yeah, currently uh, three days a week at the South Australian Sports Institute, working with all the programs there. And so the main ones, yeah, swimming, hockey, netball, diving, wow, canoe sprint, rowing, and then we've got an individual athlete program as well. So, yeah, and I'm fortunate to work with some great coaches and support staff as well, which is what I really love. Like I love working with athletes, but I think it's it's working with a team of people that 
Yeah, I actually really enjoy athletes. enjoy the most. Yeah, and then the Thunderbirds I look after as well, which is great because prior to the Thunderbirds, the sporting teams that I'd been involved with have always been male. So it's been really not. It was really refreshing yeah. to actually work with a female sport team and be able to walk through a change room and not worry about where I'm going. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, like that's actually, yeah, I mean, that it's it's been great. And, and again, good group of athletes and staff this year as well. Yeah, and I think you're right. What, what you just said then, and I, this is what I talk to all my people that I train, is that it's really important to get a good support group around you. So for you, you know, the support group is the colleagues of other people in the industry. And for me, that's, that's the same. And for an athlete or someone training, it's really important to find someone that they can relate to, a dietitian or physio and chiros, and support themselves in that way too. Totally. Um, yeah, because, you know, there's only so much a coach can give you, but then you've got the experts around you like who, like you. You've been out there for 20 years. Yeah, look, it's, it's funny you say that because it's only now over the last year and a bit I've actually started getting some supervision myself. Yes. As a dietitian and it's something that and probably particularly given the type of work that I'm doing now it becomes even more important I think as well but also um, it's just something I wish I did so much earlier in my career but I'm just really enjoying having um, some super supervision work as yeah, well. Yeah and so mentorship again, and things. Yeah it's totally. Great, isn't it? Yeah. And seeking exactly. that information from people. Yeah. And it can be from a variety of people. And feedback or a yep. chance to sort of offload and share some some sticking points that you might be having with with clients or challenges and I mean the same would apply in training you know like having a coach having a coach chatting to someone with how you're feeling or a fellow a runner or walker that you're out there with and you know being kind accountable of, to yeah, things. yeah yeah absolutely. and you've got that common bond and connection that you can kind of you know, support each other, I suppose, and have a chance to offload and, and share your thoughts and feelings with how things are going from training-wise to work and all those sorts of yeah, things Yeah, well. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think as many coaches as you can in different areas of your life. Mm. On to, I guess, the people that I'm training at the moment. Yeah. And I guess what I would really like to talk to you about is about fueling for training. Um, a number of the people that I start training haven't run for a long time and some of them have been running. Um, so everyone's at very different points. Mm. And one thing that we try and bring in through the program, it's not just about running, it's about being healthy mm. um, and also being very realistic with your own goals and how you can incorporate that into your training. Mm. Can you tell me from your perspective, from a dietitian's perspective, what you would actually say to someone about training and what you need to do? Where nutrition comes into supporting exercise, I like to talk through what are the sort of the key nutrients, like your macronutrients being your energy-containing nutrients and your micros, which are your vitamins and minerals, to be to sound a bit more technical. but And then to educate people on what their role is and the importance of them. And then I suppose... Everyone has different needs in terms mm -hmm. of, like you said, in how much of different things they need and uh, what feels good and foods that they enjoy as well because that, that's another massive part of food. Like it's not just about health. It's, you know, the social uh, aspect of it and food is there to enjoy. So and social, yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, brings people together. So I suppose with relation to exercise, like, uh, you know, the, the key, you know, the key macronutrient, or the fuel source for for exercise is is generally your carbs and your fats. Mm -hmm. Okay, now the the harder and the longer you're working, so you know if you're doing training that's really getting that heart rate up, 
then that's your body's going to demand more carbohydrate at those higher intensities. Whereas if you're just doing a, um, you know, a walk or a lower intensity or some... A long jog. A long well, jog, yeah. but long jog to an extent because after, you know, a certain period of time, then, you know, nutrition or can become, will become rate limiting in terms of your, your fuel supplies because you will still be using some carbs in so those So is that a sort of time? Like I guess in my head mm. I have an hour and a half. Anything over an hour and a half I need to sort of consider fueling. Spot on. Yeah? Yeah. And that's, that's generally the, the, the sort of time that I would um, say after an hour and a half is really when you want to start fueling those longer runs. And, yeah, like uh, assuming that those longer runs are um, – yeah, a slower pace as well. Yes. But when we say start fueling, it's not you start fueling at then one and a half hours. You start, you start before. <laughs> Knowing that yes. you're going to run an yes. hour 40 or, t- or hour 45 or two hours, then you, you start earlier. Preparing. And so yeah. in terms of that preparation, I will go back on the hard sessions too that you spoke of, but sure. let's just go on these long jogs. And yes, you know, I really encourage people to go long and slow because that's where we're hmm. building up just yeah. to see, you know, p- particularly people who, you know, are building up to a marathon and each time you do like you've got to build it up slowly and those long jogs are just about getting the k's in your legs but you're uh, back to the preparing when would you start preparing for say if i wanted to go out for an hour and a half run what would you actually say to me like when would i start preparing the night before the two days before or yeah, i know like, this is all hard and it's different for different people yeah, yeah. i mean it it would depend a bit on the time of the day that the person was going to do that yeah, hour and a half say, run let's say they were doing seven generally o'clock in, in the morning, morning. yeah 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 Look, and I think also it would depend on what they did the day before, but I anticipate if you're leading into a longer run, you probably would have had a a lighter probably day the day before, I anticipate. And so really, like I think uh, if if those longer runs are are relatively slow, like I think, you know, um, if we're talking an hour and a half to two hours, it, it really is putting more of a focus predominantly on the night before I think and what you do know. you recommend like in terms of you know like I'm, I've got an understanding in my head but mm. what would you what, what what sort of carbs I guess when people say carbs they automatically think of you know potato chips and things like that what yeah. what are the healthy I guess the healthy carbs that help you to run and I know everyone's different once again but there are healthier carbs aren't there well yeah and I suppose there's also there's carbs that are going to provide more greater amount of fuel Per mm-hmm. volume of food, right? Yep. So mm-hmm. people have this perception that potatoes are, are really high in carbs, but they're actually they're actually not. So for like you know, for me, a high fuel carb dinner would be something that would incorporate um, some rice mm-hmm. or some pasta or some noodles or couscous. So you know, having a, a bit more of a you know substantial portion of of a grain on your plate, but then also you'd factor in some protein with that. And then you've got some salad and veg. So you've still got that balance. Yes, and fat. Right. Um, yeah, including some fats as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah, that's your obviously your other important macronutrient, which play important roles within your body. We've got sufficient fat as a fuel source to not necessarily have to support a race or a run with it because yes. our bodies are naturally will pull on it at the lower intensities. But definitely, you know, particularly the fats from your plant and your fish-based sources play really important roles within your body in terms of natural anti-inflammatory, moving vitamins and minerals around, making hormones. So incorporating some fats in, I mean, it's not essential that they're in every single meal, Yeah. but I think you'd want to include them somewhere through the day because, yeah, they are pretty energy dense, Yeah. but they're at the same time, they do play a really important role. So yeah, they could 
definitely be integrated into a meal. And that could be used in olive oil, used in cooking or something like that, or yeah. some cashews in a stir fry or, yeah. So, but I suppose the, the meal the night before when you're planning on doing a longer run, yeah, ideally would probably have a larger portion at that time of the carbohydrate component on, on the plate. And, and in the morning, do you advise anything? Yeah, like before? I would for yeah. a long run. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, if we're talking an hour, like if it was just a, an easy 45 minutes to an hour, probably not. Yeah. But if you're going to be doing, yeah, an hour and a half or more, then yeah, I'd really encourage you to get up and, and have something before you head out. Now, it's so individual in it terms individual, of timing and amounts and options. But I suppose generally the pre-training sort of run, pre-run sort of snacks that I find tend to work quite well for people are things like a banana or even a, like a what, bit of white toast or a white crumpet. And the reason why With I say white. With jam or something jam too, or isn't honey, it? Yeah, yeah. That's and, the only time I have it really. Yeah, and the reason why I say white is because, you know, yep, yeah, it's more you're refined. But at that time you want something that's actually – going to get broken down pretty quickly, quickly, get into your system, make use of it, but also reduce the the potential for any gut issues. And that's where extra fibre and extra fat okay. and those sorts of things. Yep. Uh, so simple as. Yeah, yeah, can, can exacerbate potential GI issues on a run. And the GI issues are, you know, it's, again, such an individual thing, but I find that they're more likely to come to the, you know, to, to be a factor if, the longer and the harder the, the, the run session. Is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for me, like like my long runs, you know, up to an hour and a half, I don't really worry about because sometimes I feel like, well, you know, I'm just going to be doing a slow run. I don't want anything more out of my body than mm. just to know I can do this. Mm. But if, like you were talking about at the start, a harder session, so you knew you were doing a harder, shorter session. Mm. So say you had 800-metre sprints or something. Yeah. Would you recommend that same sort of food for that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yep, and like it's a funny, it's an interesting one because people say, oh, you know, I feel sick or I'm worried I'm going to be sick when I'm running harder. And I can, yeah, I can see where, you know, you can cut you, the individual. But you naturally feel sick. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's just the sheer intensity that you're working <laughs> yeah. at and the lactic acid being produced for sure. But again, coming back to the fact that, you know, science shows that basically the harder you, the higher the intensity of exercise the more carbohydrate your body will naturally want to pull on and yes. use as a fuel source. Yeah. So if you want to get the most out of that session, all right, you may as well put the fuel in, all right, that your body's demanding to enable you to, you know, maintain that intensity that you're, you know, trying to trying to hit or those sorts of things. And the other thing too is, is immune support. You know, people obviously think of your vitamins and minerals, which are obviously play important roles with immune function, but Carbs, you know, there's lots of evidence to show that carbohydrate foods have a really important role with immune function and that, you know, the harder that you the the harder that you work can increase that stress hormone cortisol. And again, there's evidence showing that carbohydrates, when they're consumed in and around those intense exercise sessions, actually suppress the rise of cortisol. So again, another really important role that carbs actually do play mm. when we're talking about high intensity exercise is, yeah. that, is the immune support. And I guess, you know, that is a big issue because carbs, you know, like everyone, you know, there's been this big wave of don't eat carbs, don't eat carbs. Mm. And it is a way of weight loss to take that out, but you, you certainly can't live like that. It's not sustainable really, I don't think. And it's not, it's hard to, 
you know, like to, to, to be really true paleo, which very few people when you actually dig deep are really, if they're going to go down that path, because it is just so hard. Yes. And it's, it's hard socially yes. when you want to go out. Yeah. And, 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 you know, carbs, it's funny, it's, it's diet culture, you know, it comes around in waves and, you know, carbs have been seen as the enemy for, for a period of time now. But, you know, like in my eyes, there's nothing like, you know, that you need to cut out or avoid unless medically you're allergic to them. And it's just being smart with when, when you have them. You yes. know, there's no foods that are off limits unless medically you are unable to consume them and so it's just being smart and strategic with where you put them in yes um, and I think that's a part of you know like we're part of learning all the time so you know it's like anything like you know your foods really well and because you're a dietitian it's sort of just in the back of your head like my husband's in property so he knows everything about it and expects everyone to know about it but like you said, it, everyone's individual and you do need to work through things yourself. Like you do, mm. you will find foods that work for you and you will yep. find foods that don't work for you in the morning. But that's the, all the thing about training. Yep. And yep. that's why you do the training process. And if you do these on the long runs to begin with, you'll start working out, oh, well, I felt really good on that run. Why? did my Was my sleep good? What mm. did I eat? And you, it is like a bit of a puzzle, but listening to people like you and understanding how important these carbs play mm. can play is really actually really important for us to understand too. Yeah, and, and that's a really good point. Like and it just comes back to something I was going to highlight in terms of, yeah, like people might not be a, a breakfast person or mm -hmm. someone that struggles in the morning or they're not hungry. And I'm all for intuitive eating and eating when you're hungry, but there's probably times when it's being intuitive to, like you are being intuitive still, but you're being intuitive to know that you need something to be able to, you know, get the most out of that training. Yes. But but also understanding that, yeah, you, you, you can train the gut, you know, and, and those where that opportunity is to get used to. And after a while, you'll start to feel more comfortable and confident and having some different options, not just having the one thing, because if you wake up in the morning and a banana's not there and you, you don't want to freak out, yes. you've got some a couple of options that you feel, okay, I know that that works as well. And I guess yeah. that's with travelling, you know, like if you travel to yeah. China and you don't have the bananas or you don't have the white bread, you've got, yeah, you do need yeah. to have options. But, yeah, training the gut is definitely a real thing um, and that's why you practice your fueling during yes. run longer runs so your gut gets used to that when come race day that you, you feel more comfortable and confident that you can take these things on board as well. So... Yeah. Do you find there's some people, like I know some people, you know, need to be near toilets as they run. Are there certain foods that do upset the tummy maybe when, when you're exercising more than others? Yeah, possibly. Like I suppose, yeah, it it's, it's can be, I mean, the, the, the GI stuff can be very much to do with also dehydration too. Yeah. Because it reduces your gastric emptying and therefore when you, when you become dehydrated, your gastric emptying is reduced and therefore when you then start putting food in it's not getting through the system as well so dehydration can be a, a significant component to bring about those GI disturbances and, and symptoms but foods that probably will exacerbate are things like dates or dried fruit um, right. you know for some it could be the sugary gels uh, and things what, what, yeah, I don't know. Like that, that could be an issue if if you're not consuming like uh, sufficient fluid with it. Right. Like okay. it's just the concentration can potentially be too much if you're having all these gels, but then actually not getting 
the fluid in. Because and that's part of the problem, isn't it? Because you want to be quick higher. with them too, and then you don't have the water. Yeah. But it's taking the time for those. It is, it? yeah. And there's no reason why, like, you can't run along and just hang on to it and just have little bits here and there. I mean, another option, which I think is really good for a fuel source during long runs, is even those, even lollies or chews or soft tubes, because you can just, like, gradually titrate them. Do they need to be mixed with water? Because I, I, I have the chews because I like them, mm. the, the little bars. I find them easier and yeah. I got sick of gels because I got oh, yeah. really sick of having them. But I really like the chews. Like you said, you can yeah. just have them. And they're nice because they, when your mouth dries. But do mm. you need to mix those with water as much? I mean, yeah, you, you should, yeah, ideally you should be still having, yeah, the water with it as well. Yeah. Just purely from a bit of a hydration perspective or even sports drink if you, if you struggle with solids, then that's where sports drink can come, become your, your fuel source of choice. So um, just going back to the hydration part, there's so yeah. much to talk to you about um, and we've only got this limited mm. time, but thank you. Um, the hydration part, Do should people start hydrating? Just say on these long runs and the harder sessions. Yeah. Like I know people need to be hydrated, but I can tell you so many of my clients say, oh, my God, I forgot to drink my water today. And so we try and make it become a habit, you mm. know, get a nice water bottle, put it on your desk, get yourself hydrated. Is there, you know, is there an optimum amount before the day before or during the run or what you should have on hydration? Yeah, like that, again, that's a, it's a question that is it's really hard to answer because yeah. it's so individual in terms of, the, the conditions, the intensity you're running at, genetics, mm-hmm. um, clothing. Heat. Heat, yeah, yeah. And, yep. and so it's, it's so individual and that's where, I mean, the biggest thing with just day-to-day hydration is, is like what you've been telling your uh, clients is, is consistency. Yes. So just like sipping gradually throughout the day, you know, having a fluid source with each meal. You know, if it's extra warm, you might look at adding having some electrolytes, whether it be your hydrolyte or your gastrolyte and those sorts of tubs in, in your water. But naturally the electrolytes in food, which you consume obviously at meal times, and then consume with a fluid source will help you retain that fluid more effectively at meal times as well. In terms of knowing how much to drink during again, that, that would be the idea. only way of knowing that would be, you know, to weigh yourself before and after and include understanding how much you've also drunk during to get an idea of what your sweat sweat rate is. But again, that's just specific to that particular run in those particular conditions. Yeah. So, um, but what I I probably will say with hydration and given the clientele that you said that you're working with, like, you know, over drinking is a real concern, can be a real concern as well. Yes. And so over drinking, particularly water, because uh, if you are run, if you sort of walk jogging or run at a, quite a slow pace and the conditions are really quite mild um, and you're thinking, oh, I've got to drink heaps of water, then if you, if you do that without any electrolytes, which is basically your sodium, then you can become hyponatremic which is a fancy word for basically low sodium right which can actually be really can be fatal yeah right uh, and has has actually resulted in some a few deaths 
in yeah. long distance endurance runners. Okay. I don't want to scare people, but no. all I'll say is just you don't need don't to over drink no, water. No, you don't need to. Um, and, 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 and probably can more drink your, to your, thirst. Your urine, can't you? Like you can yeah. see if you're dehydrated or not, yeah. can't you? Like if it's really, really yellow, you're dehydrated. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, totally. But in but during but during runs or races, I think if if you're if you're running at a slow pace and it's pretty mild, just drink to thirst. Yes. Or incorporating some electrolytes in as well. Like have some sports drink along the way as your fuel source as well, because at least that's putting the sodium back in. Yes. So now I'm going to get to yeah. the racing part of yeah. it. Um, yeah. Sorry, so I jumped ahead. No, that's okay. Because at I least do we've want... covered off yeah, on that yeah. the hydration side the anyway. Hydration. Um, in terms of the long runs, so you say I'm going out for a two-hour run or two and a half-hour run, long and slow, and what do I feel myself and how often should I feel myself? Is it just, you know, like every, like from, yeah, from your perspective, mm. like I know everything's different depending on what you're taking and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like I think, again, if you're a bit more of a, yeah, it, it depends on, again, also the uh, the pace that you would be running at as well for, you know, like where, you, where you're at, like in terms of elite, semi-elite, um, you know, real recreational. And hey, if you're just a beginner, like I think, you know, starting early is really important. But I think if you were, if you were sort of hitting around that 30 grams of carbs an hour, like I think for okay. a beginner, like that yep. would be pretty reasonable. During. During. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, that Kipchoge that, that did the two hour marathon, like he was at 90, over 90 grams of carbs an hour. Wow. And so, so the more the more exertion. Yeah. So what I'm saying yeah. there is the harder you go the harder you're going, the more demand the more carbs you're gonna use. Yes. Therefore you more you need to put in if you wanna maintain that intensity. Yes, that's right. So yeah, if you're if you're at a slower pace because you'll be using fat as a fuel source as well, still needing the carbs, but prob the quantities aren't gonna be as, as significant. But really important that you start it early and you know, when you you're probably not gonna be feeling like it. But start dribbling it through, you know, in the first sort of half an hour, 45 minutes yep. is just start trickling that through. Same with the fluid and just stagger that through the whole run. But I, I, I think I think for the clientele that you're working at, around that sort of 30 grams an hour would probably be pretty reasonable. Yeah, and that's kind of what I do. Mm. I think, you know, I get to about the, if I'm doing a long run, about 50 minutes I'll put, you know, have mm. something and then I'll have something again like that Yeah, and and run to fill. But I think, you know, the most important thing is, like you said, everyone's individual, everyone's going to have something different and mm. some people might not want to have breakfast in the morning, that's okay, mm. um, and some people will. And, you know, mm. you've really got to work that out and that's why training runs are really important. And it's like anything, like you said, consistency. We've got to have consistency in the training runs, we've got to have consistency in our food mm. and we've got to make a routine. So I think that's really important. Is there anything else that you could um, give to kind of a beginner, medium type athlete in terms of any sort of hints about how diet can affect it. You know, we, we spoke, and I know we've spoken previously about weight um, and mm. health, and, and we're both on agreement that you need to be healthy mm. and weight. Like I've run marathons and I've been out the front not out the front front, but, you know, three and a half hours, and there's, there's all types of people mm. and all types of sizes, and it's fantastic. And so you don't need to be stick figure to run, but you need to be, well, from my perspective, healthy. Is yeah. That, is, what's your view yeah. on it? Yeah, look, to me, you know, weight doesn't, like weight doesn't equate to health. And, yeah. you know, there isn't actually a lot of evidence that, you know, being a certain BMI means necessarily you're healthy. To be honest, there is some evidence that actually being active in a higher weight 
all right, is actually healthy than being underweight and not doing anything, smoking, not doing anything, and not putting uh, nutrient-rich foods in your body. So that's you a know, really interesting perspective. You yeah, know, like people people automatically assume. Like I had um, a woman come up to me once. She said, oh, "I don't need to train with you. I'm I'm skinnier than everyone you train." And I, I looked at her and I said, "Actually, you're probably more unhealthier than anyone I train." Mm because it's such a misconception in society that you have to be skinny and then you're healthy. Actually, that's that's so wrong. And I know so yeah. many thin people that don't exercise and I, all I want them to do is move. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of it. You know, like you yeah. need to move and who knows what you are or are not eating. It doesn't mean you're healthy. <laughs> totally, yeah. And so, yeah, it takes all shapes and sizes and there's varying reasons why people are all shapes and sizes. If anyone wants to come, does come and see me for weight loss, I always ask the question why. Like I like come curious to know what it is. Like and for some people it's legitimate reasons. I mean, I I can't guarantee that, you know, I can help them, but I, I'm keen to know why, what the driving force is for wanting to lose weight. And for some people there might be some legitimate reasons for sure. Um but again, I think you don't want that to be the driving force as to why you're, why you're exercising. Like I think no. some people think, yeah, I'll run and it will help me lose weight. If you think of the entirety of your, your energy expenditure, exercise is actually quite a small component and just your metabolic rate and your non-exercise, just your day-to-day -day living is actually probably is the biggest component. And so... I think people put a lot of emphasis on exercise, thinking that that's going to, but, you know, exercise should be something that you do because you enjoy. And you feel good. And you feel good. So, so yeah. many people, and this is what came to me as a trainer when I started training, so many people came out to me to lose weight. And after, a, you know, a couple of weeks, they'd say, oh, I'm not losing weight. And I'm like, well, what are, you, what are you eating? And they tended to be eating more. But what I was saying, what I tried to say to them, how are you feeling? Are you feeling better? Yes, I'm feeling better. Well, let's concentrate on how you're feeling and let's set some goals, you know, physical goals, mm. not concentrate on this weight loss because it's it's really not important. It's how you feel because if you feel really good, you're confident yeah. and happy and your life changes and exercise changes you that way. But don't be exercising to be losing weight because it's, no. it's, it's just... I mean, it's a punishment, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And probably another big thing I see is is also that is people uh, really, really restricting restricting their intake with the view to trying to lose weight and finding that things aren't changing or moving or they're going the other way. And that is because you can get to a, such a low energy availability state where you actually suppress your systems in your body and your metabolic rate is one and and so yeah a lot of the time people are actually not eating enough yes you know they're coming to me they want to lose weight and but they're, and they're quite active I'm like I, I'm not cutting back anymore because you're actually not even eating enough so yeah that that is quite a common presentation yeah um uh, so, look, I, I suppose the other thing I just will highlight is the importance of, of protein. Protein does play a really important role for active individuals because generally if you're running, there's always going to be muscle damage and protein is a, a really important macronutrient that um, helps maintain muscle mass. It fills you up. You know, obviously nutrient-rich sources have lots of 
contain, you know, key minerals being your calcium and your iron and those sorts of things, which are really essential for active individuals. So again, I think that inclusion of protein throughout the day regularly is a, is a really important addition as well. Yeah. And obviously yeah. there's protein and obviously meat's great and all mm. that, but there's obviously vegetarian, you know, and people who are vegetarian need to be eating those yeah, proteins. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you very much Pleasure. for all of your information and knowledge. It's really kind of you to share that and be with us today, um, and I really appreciate it. Thanks for watching. If you want more, go to analiptac.com. <laughs>